श्रीला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जाए श्री गिरिराज महाराज की जाए श्री जगन्नाथ वाला देव सुभाषी की जाए श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाए गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए गौर प्रमान Good morning to all of you, and I'm welcome. Um, we are meeting again uh, for Q and A for questions and answers. So you are invited to present any question you may have. Also, the devotees who are connected online are similarly invited in that connection. So, are there any questions? Sebani the first. He had one from yesterday. So. The question is uh, regarding, so in uh, Krishna Lila there, there is Sambandarup and Kamarup devotees mm-hmm. and uh, in Gora Lila they express different moods it seems, um, like um, um, Kamarup devotees seem to be more expressing this extreme type of humility. In this connection I am also asking if um, Maranandra Puri is a Kavarup, what is his identity in Krishna Lila? Hmm. And then, like, uh, in extension to the question, um, the Priyanarma Saka group um, seem to have, like, if we see in the life of Guru Maharaj, how he's kind of expressing both. Uh, this is some thoughts I've had, like both the not hiding their, the, the, the bhava, mm-hmm. but at the same time also hiding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you understand my, my thoughts here? I think so, yeah. So Let's see. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, the first part of the, of the question will be like in connection to Madhavendra Puri. So, who is Madhavendra Puri? Which is Ma, which is Madhavendra Puri's identity Swarupin in Krishna Lila. And the interesting <laughs> opinion that is given regarding who he is. It's an interesting idea. It is said that Madhavendra Puri is a Kalpa Briksha in Vrindavan. <laughs> so that, that that's the Kalpa Briksha means a desired tree. So it's a tree. <laughs> hmm? So, of course, someone may say, only a tree? Of course, that's not the idea we should get at, too. Like, is it a tree? And also, of course, there is some interesting parallel. Sometimes he's compared like with this original, if you want to call him Kalpa Briksha or the Sar tree or vine from which what Mahaprabhu came to taste and eventually distribute, originated in Madhavendra Puri. But that's the main description that he's given to him. I, of course, it's intriguing because generally you hear the, he is such gopi, such sakhi, such manjari, such human being in the lila, if you will, in Krishna lila. But Mahavendra Puri is described as a, as a tree, as a kalpa So I really appreciated that idea because, of course, no, nothing is, in one sense, less of, or more there. You know, someone like Madhavendra Puri, I mean, one tree from Vrindavan can, <laughs> if you will, create such contribution in the whole world or something. Like Guru Mahārāja sometimes will say, okay, Rupa Manjari, Lavanga Manjari, all these 
so-called apparently uncivilized village girls, they come to this world and you know, they flood the whole planet with knowledge and so many qualities, even though it seems eh, she's just one little girl there in the village. <laughs> but which power does one of, only one of such girls here? No? So similar, we can extend the same notion. One tree from there, <laughs> one comes here. I mean, the tree is not a tree, that's the point. And because the tree comes here as a person. So the idea is everything there is ultimately personified, love personified. Not only a person, but a personification of, of divine love. So that's first, in connection to, to whom Avendrapur is. <clears throat> this interesting... Work by Srila Raghunadas Goswami, the Brajavilas Stava. Then, there, the author Raghunadas Goswami he praises every single entity in Braj. He's not praising only, I don't know, the gopis, the manjaris, the highest ones or something, but every single devotee in human form and in any other form, like plants, vines, and this animal, and that animal, and that tree and that speck of dust, and, and, and all of them, with the hope of my, the grace of each one of them, I may get the darshan of my Easter day. So, so that's the nature of Vaikuntha in general, what to speak of. Maha Vaikuntha Golok Vrindavan, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, Vaikuntha Priti Vyadi Shakal Chinmai, which means from Vaikuntha upwards, even the land is... Chinmai is transcendental substance, fully conscious, Krishna conscious. The, the earth, the land, the speck of dust. So everyone there is. So it's. I know it's not easy to, to grasp in this area, but, but this this is what we are instructed to. You know, we have to conceive by grace, of course, by sadhana and the grace that comes from that. How, in, in the higher realms, everything is made of, of emotions, basically. And that's why. Also, Sila Raghunadas Goswami, when he's describing, for example, Sri Radha's body and Sri Radha's ornaments, all of them he describes in terms of bhava. All of them represents a particular motion. Even the earrings and the bangles and the ankle bells and the braid and the part of the hair and the sima. Everything is personified bhava. So, at least in theory, we should learn to appreciate that realm. This idea once came to me, again, it's not mine, came to me, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting one, which is that one way of describing sadhana bhakti, because of course we can say sadhana bhakti, kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya, give the official definition, and it's, it's more than okay. <laughs> but also, in this connection, sadhana bhakti could be described as a theoretical appreciation of Bhava Bhakti. Mm. I mean, you are not yet there, but you, you are training your, your mind, your intellect, your heart, everything, to appreciate that realm made of emotion. You are not there, but you start to conceive there is such a place. There is a realm where everything is an emotion. You develop some faith in that, and gradually that a theoretical appreciation and conception allows you to properly address that domain and, of course, eventually enter it and become a member there. So, so I would say that's an important facet of, facet, no, 
Yeah. yeah, you have yeah. the word in English. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> An important part of sadhana bhakti is theoretical appreciation of bhava bhakti. Bhava bhakti means not only what's bhava bhakti, but like definition, bhava bhakti is this. No. But the world of bhava bhakti, the inhabitants of made of bhava, and, and, and the goal to attain as bhava and friend. So that on one side, regarding Madhavendra Puri being a tree, <laughs> which of course, again, at the same time shows he's a very particular paradigmatic figure in one sense, he's not to be to be followed in the sense of, I will also want to be a tree, because generally that's not the, the, the option in, in the Sampradaya, if you will, available. Then you start to speak about those in Manjari Bab or Madhurya Raza and those in in, in Sakya Bapri and Arma Sakya specifically. So those are the two main mm. windows of opportunity in our Sampradaya. So you were asking me, you were asking at the end if, 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 there is, if, if one could establish some sort of, let's say, difference in, in mood in how these two groups, in the context of Gore Lila, those who are in the Krishna Lila with the Priyanarma Sakya group, Pranarmasaki group, Manjariba group, they will in, in, in Gorli express their their inner affinity, if you will, in, in one way or the other. Some of them may be more, let's call covert way, if I understood properly, like Manjariba more like not so bold, if you will. <laughs> and those in Pranarmasakya in a more bold way. I personally wouldn't say that establish that as a rule because. I mean, there are so many examples one could give to the contrary of that. No, I, I don't know. You can speak about, I don't know, Krishna Das Babaji Maharaj, mm-hmm. disciple of Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta. He was a Priyanarma Sakya, Saka. I mean, he is. <laughs> and he, he expressed that affinity, but in confidence to Srila Siddhar Maharaj. And that's basically how we know that he had that affinity. He was not like overtly extolling, I have that affinity. So mm-hmm. we could give one example again of a Priyanarma Saka that is not so bold in his claiming about his affinity in his Sarakadeh. You know? uh, we could say, yes, our Guru Maharaj, he may be a little bit more clear, but also at the same time, of course, in such a way that it's not one is not making a cheap thing of that, because that's a, the caution given in our tradition. I mean, do not make of these highest, highest topics just a matter of cheap talk. No. And we could say, well, Prabhupada also on some level he he showed his affinity, of course, for many. <laughs> it's not like that, but I mean, the evidence is there. And there has been, that has been compiled also. <laughs> so, so we have scientific facts to prove that that's, that's like that. But again, I, of course I understand that one could like conjecture, you say conjecture? Yeah. Okay, the Sakas has this particular generally boldness in their Bishramba and mood and they will in the Saraka they express. But again, at the same time there are individuals. No? So it's not that every Saka is like made with the same how do you say in English when you make something with one font? Mold. Mold, okay. Closer that to what I yeah. thought. In Spanish it's molde, so mold. 
So there's still individuality, and there may be some sagas who will be more bold than others. And, and the same thing goes for Manjaribab, Upasakas, you know, those who worship in that mode. Some of them may overtly show that affinity on one level or another, not at all. I mean, of course, when you have certain affinity, and you have certain affinity, really, <laughs> it's not just like, okay, I... I think I like that, or, or okay, everyone likes that, so I like that, or I hear this is the highest thing, I want that. Uh, that's not necessarily you have an affinity, you know, because if at the same time you still you have affinity for, I don't know, French fries and all this stuff, I mean, which type of affinity is that? <coughs> so we, we should also put put the yardstick, you know, as Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta say, yeah, Raganuga Bhakti is threat on, on the strength of lovha or, or, or greed. But that greed is to be measured according to how much greed you still have for other things apart from that. If you still have greed for so many things in this world, I mean, how much do you have greed for in Raga Bhajan? I mean, so that's a good way of being realistic about that. Because you can claim, oh yes, I'm a Raga Bhakta and I want this and I have the quality. Nadikaris greed, yeah, but the Nadikaris just greed. <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's... It's like a joke. It's easy, it's cheap. That's why we spoke the other day about mercy. We may misunderstand mercy and think, oh, mercy, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for free and it's, it's undeserved, so I can just ask and it's there. No, no, it's not so easy. It's, 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 it's a higher price to pay than justice, as we spoke the other day. You remember, first day, I think. Because you have to have the humility to deal with the fact that you are receiving something that will, you will never deserve. Never. So you have to be humble in order to deal with that reality and not collapse. <laughs> so similarly with this idea, no, Raga Bhakti, my point was, if you have real affinity, real lobha, on some level, I mean, I levels of, le, there are levels of real lobha, but if you have some considerable level of, of real lobha, even though the person is quite like sober and is not bold in his, her, expression of inner mood, that will eventually overflow the person. Even though the person is as much as possible trying to no, to hide that. And there are, there have been many cases like that, that they are really, like Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta or so on, that they really struggled to not, to not make a cheap presentation of this highest idea. idea. And like Srila Siddhamara say, whenever some tear will come to him, ecstatic tear, and that was quite often. Sila Simran say, I will appreciate, I, I will look at my Guru Maharaj and realize he was making such a big effort not to let that tear come out. And he was with all his effort make the tear go inside again. <laughs> with the intention of not making a cheap show, I'm crying for Krishna, oh, let's, because at that time there was so much of that. No? Like people crying, and you can learn to cry. You can go to a drama school and just, just shed tears, or you can be just too emotional and sentimental and just cry for anything. And in the name of Krishna, this was made, being presented in the name of the highest thing. So Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, among other, wanted to secure the, like the integrity of the ideal, not making a cheap show. Even though inside, in his inner quarters, <laughs> inner chambers, he was like burning with greed and, and, and spiritual emotion. But on the outside, he was like a perfectly sober, serious sannyasi. 
Not like trying to make this point. But even though in those cases, eventually, everyone knew which was his affinity. <laughs> and of course, he, he mentioned that in one private letter to one disciple. Once. <laughs> but at the same time, everyone kind of felt that his affinity. Silla was someone similar. No? He kind of didn't want to make a cheap show of all the things. Hmm? Every time, for example, he will mention the name of of Srirada, or someone will mention that. You can see the videos. It's very nice. Maybe someone asks him a question, and he's hearing the question, and they both say, so Guru Maharaj, I wanted to ask you something, and this and this topic in relation to Srirada, and when he hears Srirada, he's telling. Or he himself, like showing his allegiance, and also respect, of course, but yeah, at some points he had said, yes, I have this affinity. In general, no? he, didn't, he never entered into the details of, this is my name, my service, and my... Like some others made, like Bhaktivinotakur, for example. He confessed that in many of his... I mean, not many, but more than one of his uh, treatises. Navadvip Bhavataranga and Gita Bali and a few, few ones here and there. I'm Kamala Manjari. This is my service. <laughs> but there is a way to do that properly. Also. I mean, I, of course, at the same time, Srila Narottam Das Thakur says this idea like, uh, how do you say? Uh, Sorry? To keep your bhajan. Yeah, yeah, in Bengali. Akahibo Jata Jata, the first part. It dis- it disappeared, getting old. What to do? <laughs> <laughs> Apana bhajana, apana bhajana, apan apan bhajana katana kaibo jata that one. So, you have to hide your bhajan. You have to hide the result of your bhajan. Do not make a, a cheap show of that. Basically, do not be like here and there. Like, I am this. I have this insight today. Krishna showed me this. No, that's not for public, for the masses, for public consumption. Sanatana Goswami says something similar. I'm quoting one bird from the Tantra in his Hari Bhakti Vilas. Gopayet Guru Radmana, Gopayet Ishatevatan, Gopayet Chaniyamantran, Gopayet Nijamalikam. Hide your Guru, hide your Istadev, hide your Mantra, hide your Malika. Hide everything. Well, you have to understand this not in a literal way. I mean, that Guru Dev comes and Guru Dev, please enter this room and you lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm following Silasanathan Goswami. <laughs> Or you will close the altar and never open because you have to hide your deity. Uh, I mean, what does it mean, hide? <clears throat> it means do not make a cheap show of this. You know? like try to do that in a sober way. Try to take them to the innermost chamber of your heart and from there perform your chanting, your worship. And do not just like be trying to impress others and to over-glorify, for example, your guru. You can over-glorify your guru. In one sense, it's, you can never enough, you can never glorify your guru enough. In one side, in one side, on another side, you can over glorify. You follow my point? Mm-hmm. For example, I mean, you can properly glorify your guru, and the more, as properly as you do that, the more you will feel it's never enough. <laughs> That's the result of proper praise, proper kirtan. No? I mean, it will take you to appreciate more and more the glories of. Of Guru Tattva. So you feel it's never enough what I can say. I mean, I feel embarrassed to just say this few, but I have to say something. That That's like the, uh, the situation of the devotee, what to do. If I say something, it's never enough, but 
Ikshatena Shabda. I have to say something. Anantakata. But you can over glorify. If you say, my guru is so incredible that every single living being in the, on earth should be initiated only by him. <laughs> and if you are initiated with someone else, you have to retake initiation with him. Everyone else on planet earth should be going. You say, no, no, that's, I mean, that's not proper. That's over glorification in that sense. You are, and that's another way of saying that's disservice to your guru. <laughs> that's the opposite of, how do you say, anti glorification? What's the opposite of glorification? Deglorification? <laughs> Sorry, I like to create so many words and I put Greg in this complex situation. <laughs> Our British fashion of here. <laughs> so, going back to the point again, there are different cases, no? Some, some, some Gaudias in their sadaka deha with the finti for manjari bab, some other would be an arma bab. Some will be more bold in their establishing their mood, some others not. But I will say the important thing, whether, whether whatever may be the case, is the the humility in, in that, no? Because some will not present any of those things because of certain humility, and all, and others will be sharing that boldly. <laughs> Because of certain humility as well. <laughs> because one may misunderstand. Oh, he's saying that. He's not that humble. He's not saying... Like if there, if there is a one single way and rule for humility to be expressed. And again, at this point we are speaking about higher personalities whose humility is like woven, interwoven, you say? With Prem. Srila Sanatana Goswami said in, in Brihad Bhagavatam Brita, the more Prem you have, the more that foster humility, and the more you f- humility you have, that is in turn fostering prem. Each one is acting as karya karana, cause and effect. One is the cause of others, and the other is the co- So my point is, for one who is in prem or getting closer to prem, you, you have to think they have considerable humility. So whatever, how they express that, by hiding that in every single sense, or by boldly stating that, there is a form of humility. And humility is not, again, one single way it will be expressed. No? Because sometimes we commit that mistake. We think that the, the person who says, I am so falling and this, that, that's the only person that is humble. No? And if someone is a little bit bold, oh, he's not humble. He should just be like this and say, I'm the worst stupid person on earth and I can do... And sometimes that can be just whatever, no? a form of keep remaining in the center. As we said the other day, Prabhupada, I was disciple, the, the most fallen. Prabhupada, you are not the most anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, for example, Sri Radha, when she steps, how do you say, steps, takes, yeah, steps in and takes presence and leaves everyone on one side and she takes the, the, the service of Krishna because at this moment she knows nobody can give full pleasure to Krishna in this moment like I can. But if she's not doing that from from pride, just because she knows he needs some service and I can provide that with your permission. <laughs> and she enters there. Because humility basically is uh, basically that. Srila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will translate humility indirectly as the absence of the enjoying spirit. So basically humility is the presence of the service spirit. <laughs> so that may take different forms. If your guru says, please enter the altar and, and, and serve there, 
and clean the clean the ceiling of the altar and you may have to step on the altar like if you were a deity almost <laughs> so you may externally say oh who does who does he who does he think he is i mean he thinks he's now mahaprabhu he's now in the altar stepping there oh, that's not humble oh he's he entered there by the instruction of sri guru with the <coughs> blessings for performing so that's humility and maybe someone else externally is saying like i'm so fallen but that, that may be also an external show and internally the person is having some other intention so again humility is not to be judged only of certain of, of external dynamics if you will so there's room for all the things there is the reply is not one unique rule Priyanarmasakya, Bupasakas will express in this way their affinity in Sadakadi and Manjari Bhupasakas in this other way. There's room for, again, individuality. So, I hope that helps. And I think she was telling you to put the part of the shirt in the proper way here. Uh-huh. No, I told her it's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> she wanted you to be elegant, elegant in front of Mahaprabhu. <laughs> I cannot say too much. I have all this rotten dotties and break stuff. So, what to do? So, so, hold up. Yeah, my question was possibility. <laughs> Sorry. This topic we discussed, the like, impossibility, you say, it was called in Christian theology. One second. Can you repeat the question? Yes, I yeah, yeah, repeat, repeat the question. I, um, the question is the idea that, you know, the, the, to elaborate more, you know, on the idea that Krishna, you know, does not feel empathy for the, you know, the divas because he cannot, uh, you know, he can, well, uh, because of his nature, he, he cannot get entangled into Maya, so you know he he doesn't know how that, that experience. So is that a problem? No, it's just okay. one. Uh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, it's an important point. Thank you for for asking the question. Hmm. So. Do you follow the question? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will elaborate, no problem. So, uh, in there is one concept called impossibility. No, not impossibility, but impassibility, which is one aspect of God's, God's attributes. Mostly, of course, in Western thought this is mentioned. God is impossible. Mm-hmm. Which means, what's one aspect of his being in, in, invulnerable, you say? Invulnerable? Which impossible means he doesn't experience any emotion uh, on, like those we experience on the material platform. He's not affected by mundane emotionality. Of course, that's generally said in, in Western tradition, uh, where the idea of how to say, supramundane emotionality is not so present. <laughs> but our tradition will say, okay, he's not affected by mundane emotionality, but he's really affected by supramundane emotionality, trans emotionality, if you will. You follow me? Transcendent, Sarup Shakti, Bhakti Shakti. He's affected by that. 
but that Swarup Shakti is his own inner being in his service. So there is not something. He's been affected by something separate from himself or something like this. So that said, again, going back to the idea, I say God is not affected by mundane emotionality. For example, he's not affected by illusion and greed and anger and Maya Shakti, by the three gunas, let's say, however you like to put it. By Raja, Sattvas, all the things that we as Tathasta Shakti can be affected by. You follow now a little bit more? Yeah. Okay, so the question is, okay, so the point is how God can have empathy for us if He has never gone, went through the experience we are going through as conditioned souls. We are conditioned souls, Bada Jivas. I mean, we are sadhakas, unfortunately now, so that's no longer a conditioned soul label. But still there is a degree of conditioning accompanying our journey yet. And we have been conditioned souls officially without being <laughs> sadhakas. So my point is, we have gone through some experiences that Krishna ha does not have experience of. You follow? Because if you... I mean, in order to make God empathic with our experience, you force Him... To having gone through those experiences, that is compromising God's position. Because God fall, fell under illusion. So how God can do that? I mean, that's, 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 it doesn't compute with the idea of God. How God is under the, the influence of Maya Shakti? Say, no, He cannot. He's the master of Maya Shakti. In order, the only way to transcend Maya Shakti is <laughs> by taking shelter in He who is above Maya Shakti. The only way to transcend the gunas is to take shelter in me, said Krishna, because I'm beyond the gunas. You follow? I mean, I think it's, But the point, then the question is, so he is not empathic with us, basically, because he doesn't know what we are experiencing. So, how does it sound for you? <laughs> What to do with that? I mean, it, devotees, because that can devotees, take. Right? Sorry. Devotees who? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are, yeah, we are going. He gave a trailer of the reply. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. No problem. You didn't tell the whole thing's end of the movie, so we can continue. With it. Thank you. So, but one may feel, oh, he's not connected with me. He doesn't know what I'm feeling. Sometimes, for some people, that may create some problem. Like, oh, he doesn't. He's aloof from myself. And that's the beginning part of the reply. Of course, there are two types of empathy, if we continue speaking in, term, in Western terms. Nowadays, psychology, they speak in terms of um, cognitive empathy and affective empathy. Mm -hmm. So, cognitive empathy means I, I, I know that you are suffering. I've never gone through what you are going through. For example, let's say in this lifetime your mother passed away. So in my case, my mother didn't pass away. So I don't know how it feels, that. But I can understand your suffering. Somehow I can connect with your suffering on some level, because I know people passed away. <laughs> Maybe someone else passed away in my life, not my mother, so I can connect. I felt this, so you must be feeling this, but, but I cannot fully empathize with, empathize or sympathize with you. Because my mother didn't pass away. But cognitive empathy. I can understand you are suffering. And on some level I can empathize. 
That's the type of empathy Krishna has with us. You follow? I mean, he, Krishna is not suffering like a conditioned, conditioned soul. He's suffering under the influence of the Swarup Shakti, which is, as we spoke, another suffering altogether, full of purpose and meaning. <laughs> but he knows we are suffering. And that's why he speaks in the Bhagavad Gita and the Uddhav Gita, so many instructions for the conditions. So he understands what that suffering is about. I mean, he really unfolds all the d- details of the experience of mundane life, not because he has been through that, but he can understand. I mean, he's quite smart. He's Bhagavan. <laughs> so he doesn't need to go through that experience to understand what's going on. So he, ex- he explains, I mean, to us, our own experience better than what we can explain that to ourselves, even though he has never been through that experience. You follow? So that's cognitive empathy. And the next, the one, the other one is affective empathy. So affective means I was affected <laughs> by that myself. So now you are going through that. I can empathize with you fully because I know what that means. But Krishna doesn't have that affective empathy for us, which again, it's not to speak less about him. <laughs> to speak less about him will be to make him go down to the point of he's under he's in Maya. So now he knows what does it mean. He's so merciful that he put himself in Maya to empathize with me. It's like a very forced idea. When I'm still in the center. No? Like for me he did that. No? And of course that's that's one part of the answer. It, that this could be a long answer. <laughs> Uh, uh, one second, uh, and, and and also in this connection, I will I will I wanted to add another on another direction. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur presents a very interesting idea in this connection, at, at, in the second part of the Ragavarman Chandrika. I don't know if you have studied that, but in the second part of his book, he says, "Our deity, as Gaudias, is." Krishna and Vrindavan, let's say, Mahaprabhu for sure as well, who is not different from Krishna. So this is a very unique idea because our deity is God, but at the same time, it's not. I mean, Krishna is not God in the sense, not because he's less than God, but he's more. Krishna is, as we always say, God is an aspect of Krishna. Not Krishna is an aspect of God. God is an aspect. Krishna is God beyond God. That's a unique idea. I mean, generally, what? <laughs> there is something more than God? <laughs> yes. That we call Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. In Braj. In Braj, he is not God. I mean, he remains being God somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. In Vrindavan, I mean, as we share these days, if someone dares to call Krishna God like Uddhav did, <laughs> all the Brajavasi will say I mean I thought you were so wise <laughs> you're speaking this nonsense this is a famous verse of the Bhagavata this is the Paribas Sutra of the whole Krishna Lila we have the Paribas Sutra of the Bhagavata but this verse coming from 10th Canto I think 8th chapter 9th chapter the Paribas Sutra of the whole Krishna Lila, like a very brief statement with kinds of sums up the whole thing and around which all the Krishna Lila revolve. So in this verse basically it is said, although the, the Upanishads and all the Shastra 
described Krishna as Ishvar, Bhagavan, the Absolute, God, for Jashoda. He's just her son. That's the verse. So he says, this is the Paribas Sutra of Krishna. Like implying, this is what Krishna, real Krishna Lila is about, Braja Lila is about, which is the idea, for someone else, for everyone else, Krishna is God. But from Braj, inward, inwards, you say, inside, that's not the consideration. Just show that thinks he's her child, and by extension, each Brajabasi will think of Krishna in terms of uh, intimacy, not God. So, why? Because of the strength of Premder that takes form and takes the form of a desire of serving Krishna with so so much intimacy that the idea that his God will get in the way of that. As, as my Guru Maharaj will say, if you are in front of God and you are aware that person is God, the first thing you will say is, oh my God. <laughs> and you will turn back like, oh my God. If you realize your son was God, I mean, <laughs> your husband is God, your your friend, is, uh, you will start to behave in a different way. Like, I thought you were, my, like Arjuna, when seeing the universal form, basically. You will start to beg forgiveness. Sorry. I treat you as my friend. We, I sit with you in the same bed. I, I, I joke with you. I, I, I did bullying to you. On some level, even. Because <laughs> Arjuna is not like the Braja Gopas. Even. But all, even in that level, he was like crying and full of fear and begging forgiveness and realizing, you are God, excuse me, excuse me, please, please. Arjuna. But in Vrindavan, nobody will say that. Even if Krishna does something totally extraordinary. Similar to, I mean, to show in universal form. She did so many of those Aishvarya exhibitions in Braj, lifting Overland, as we spoke yesterday. I mean, seven-year-old boy. <laughs> imagine, imagine you have a seven-year, your seven-year-old kid suddenly <laughs> leaves a heel, big one. I mean, it takes like six hours to circumambulate it if you are walking quickly. So that's a big one. And just lifting that, not with a machine, not with the two hands, not even with the most capable hand, but the left one. And not with the whole hand, but with one finger of the the, the less capable hand and the, and the weakest one. <laughs> like in playing full lack of Aishvarya in one sense, and full Aishvarya at the same time. I mean, like, with the most weak part of it. I mean, try to imagine if you, someone says, you have to lift this. You won't choose this finger. <laughs> you know, that's the, the worst possibility you could take. And Krishna took that and said, okay. And did that for seven days. At some point he was almost a kill falls, but because of prams, babs, or shakti, not because of lack of strength. <laughs> so that's pretty ashbaric. I mean, you see your child, your friend, your lover, whatever, this seven-year-old boy lifting a hill for a week without interruption, without falling asleep, without being hunger. I mean, you will start to think, who is he? I mean, who are you? But interestingly, the Brajabasis were not thinking that. <laughs> we're just thinking what we shared yesterday. Oh, the heel is trembling for a minute. Now give me the heel to me. I have more strength than you. And some other Brajabasis will, oh, let's bring some sticks to help him to. to no? 
And somebody will say, you know, the, the manjaris will criticize Krishna. When Krishna says, no, I, le I lift Govardhan Hill. I'm such a great person. I say, you didn't, you didn't lift, left, lift Govardhan Hill. I mean, it was just by the, mer by the worship of Nanda Maharaj, he made to Govardhan. He, you, you, because you are his son, so you derive some grace because your father is so virtuous. And that's why Govardhan itself lifted on the air. And, and you just put your finger there, like, so I'm lifting it, I'm lifting it. Govardhan was levitating by, by, by the prayers and, and worship of your father. And you're just taking the, all the, the punya, all the credit for that for you, and you just appear in, that was floating, you put your finger there for the picture, like, I'm... <laughs> So that's how in Brindavan they will think. <laughs> so that's a very, very unique psychology. That's my point. So in Raghavarma Chandrika, Vishwanachakavartita Guru said, Krishna is totally bewildered by Swarup Shakti. It's not that everyone else do not think of him as God. He himself is not thinking of himself as God. It's not that he's there and saying, well, I'm Bhagavan, but all these people are thinking me otherwise, so I, I have to reciprocate what to do. He's not thinking like that. He's in, on an equal level, totally overwhelmed by Prem and forgotten that the fact that he's God. So again, he presents that point in, in the Raghavarma Chandra. So if he's so much affected, from a different perspective, if Bhagavan is so much affected by the Sarup Shakti of his devotees in Vrindavan and totally forgotten of the fact that he's God and possibly with all the attributes that characterize God, the omniscience and so on, then who is hearing the prayers of the Raga Nuga Sadakas? He presents that idea. Who is hearing them? Because Krishna is totally forgotten of himself in, in the land of Raj. And we are here praying to, to that particular form of that. So, is he hearing our prayers or not? Do you follow my point? Mm. And then he even presents some su suggested replies to that. Say, and if someone says, well, okay, he's totally forgotten of that, but by asparamatma in your heart, he's hearing the prayers. Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur say, a real Raganuga Sadaka will never accept such an answer. He will braja Krishna want Raja Krishna to hear his prayer, not Paramatma. No, Paramatma is no, not enough. <laughs> For a real Raganuga Sadaka, without, of course, insulting Paramatma, but saying, I, I don't, I, I'm not pro projecting to worship Paramatma. For a real Raganuga Sadaka, there's no longer Paramatma. There's no longer Paramatma. That's a famous picture of Hanuman. He's tearing apart his chest, and who is there? Paramatma? <laughs> is Paramatma there? No. Who is there? No. No? So he sees Tadevata is there. Sitaram. So similarly, you can make a picture of a Raga Bhakta tearing apart his chest. <laughs> and you put there, no? Shishirada, Krishna, Krishna Bala, whatever the affinity is there. So my point is, Paramatma has been upgraded, if you will. <laughs> to the ultimate form of Bhagavan. That's what it's implied in the fourth birth of, of Shikshastaka. When Mahaprabhu is saying one more, one last time, I will go, my Guru Maharaj will say, he's bidding farewell to Paramatma. Because in Ruchi, which this fourth birth represents, once Istadeb starts to officially kick away Paramatma, if you will, from the heart, <laughs> and be established there. He, he does, but using the word 
uh, Ishwar there, calling his Praneshwar and referring to Paramatma's Jagadish there. So, well, uh, to make a long story short, <laughs> Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur then say, okay, so nobody will accept Paramatma. Raghavakta won't, won't accept Paramatma, is hearing my prayers. It's not like, even by Narayan, even by Kuntha, no, Braja Krishna. But Braja Krishna is absorbed in Braja Bhav. And he's, again, he's not making a show of that. He, he further elaborates on that. It's not that Krishna is making a show, okay, I will, I don't know, just show that wants to bind me, I will ma- pretend to be fearful. So she has her Batsalya nourished. No, he really is crying. He's really afraid of Shashoda. He's really running. And he quotes this famous verse from Kunti Devi in her prayers, where she says, this great personality who, whom, in relation to whom fear personified is fearful. Bhagavan. No, she has Aishwarya Bhav in her constitution. He now is fearful of Jashoda. And fear personified is fearing him. <laughs> but here is fearful of Jashoda's stick, no? who is running after him, the Damodar Lila. He's crying, and the kajal in his eyes, him falling and making two lines, black lines in his eyes. And, and by seeing that, and, and he, he acts as bewildered, or he's bewildered in front of Jashoda. And by seeing this, Kunti says, I am bewildered. Because she's realizing. I mean, I know he, Krishna is Bhagavan. I mean, that's Kunti's awareness. He is God. But when seeing how Krishna behaved with Jasoda, she realizes, I mean, he's not making a show. He's really feeling that. <clears throat> Uddhav gives the same point in one verse in the Bhagavad and in Dwarka, when Krishna is asking him for advice. What should I do? Should I go and kill Jarasandha? Or should I go uh, and, and go to the Raja Suya Yaknya that Judicial Maras has invited me? What do you think? What's best for me? Give me some advice. I know there's like bewildered because I mean you are Bhagavan. He has awareness, Krishna is God. And you are coming and asking me what should I do? What's the best thing? What's the best option? I, I'm not so sure. What do you think? <laughs> so he's acknowledging he has there's some he, he uses these two terms. Mukdata and Sarbaknyata. Mukdata and Sarbaknyata. Sarbaknyata means omniscience, and Mukdata means like bewilderment, basically. Or like in naivete, like innocence, Krishna. So, and he concludes, again, you have to study the whole Raghavarma Chandrika in detail for this, but, and that should be done for sure. It's not that such a long book, so you're invited to do so. But he concludes saying, by his by Krishna's achinta shakti, even though he remains bewildered by like Mukdata by the Prem of Vrindavan, his omniscience is still there. I mean, it's not that he he lost his omniscience; it's there, but totally buried under layers and layers of intimacy. But it's still there. So that omniscience is the one that will hear the prayers of the sadakas. Raganuga Sadaka. It's not that you're just your prayers are being thrown in the wind and who knows where they will end or something like that. <laughs> no. Those are go are going there. But how that plays out overtly in the Lila, it seems Krishna is totally in his own world. But the mo- uh, of course there are degrees of that as well. How much Krishna will hear those prayers? Well, the more you have a particular level of longing and saranagati and connection, that will impact him. In his lila. 
And by extension, we could add, my Guru Maharaj will add this. On the other side, we have Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, in the mood of a devotee, and exhibiting a unique, special type of uh, compassion and omniscience. So our prayers to him will be especially heard also by him in that connection. So that's also another possibility that is is important also for us not to to include Mahaprabhu in the equation and gradually get this important insight that Mahaprabhu and Krishna are non-different. It's not so easy to understand that. We may say that, yeah, Krishna is Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu, but to really, in your inner worship, to realize that fact, that's that's a high insight. <laughs> so that will be the idea. I mean, it's not that Krishna has forgotten us, he's totally, but the more we put ourselves under the shelter of the Swarup Shakti, of course, the more we are getting closer. But if you are, remain outside of the, of the, how do you say, of the orbit of the Swarup Shakti, totally, 100%, which means you are not a devotee, basically, in that case, Krishna has nothing to do there. For that, you have Paramatma. Mm-hmm. In Paramatma, generally, the idea that most people have of God that corresponds with who Paramatma is. Because most people think God has to do mostly with this world. He's the creator of this world, the maintainer, the cosmic administrator, and it's connected with us here. Hmm? With, the, with the souls, and even with the, forget, like the Bada Jivas. But that has not to do with Bhagavan. So to say that Bhagavan doesn't go out of the orbit of his Swarup Shakti. He, did, he doesn't have experience outside of that. So Paramatma is the aspect of divinity. This is explained in really detail by Jiva Goswami. His <clears throat> Paramatma Sandarva. He say actually Paramatma is God. Bhagavan is something else. And Swayam Bhagavan is something, something else. <laughs> Much more. So, again, these are topics that we have to understand in time because we may have come with some Christian DNA and some more like generic simplistic idea of okay this is God I'm here he's hearing my prayers and he's giving what I want and thank you God <laughs> um, and everything is centered around me both mostly and me here in this world and God is subservient to all that stuff but for us that has to do with the secondary aspect of divinity called Paramatma that's why Bhagavan is thrown in his own lila, fully immersed there, only under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. He only descends for that. Jiva Goswami makes also that point very nicely uh, in his Sandarbhas that when Bhagavan Krishna, for example, he comes to this world, the main reason he comes for this world to this world is for his devotees, for his Swarup Shakti. Because again, he, he he, he doesn't act outside of that orbit. Uh, and it's not that he lacks compassion. <laughs> Again, he doesn't have experience of Maya Shakti. He knows that, that experience in a cognitive way, he makes the arrangement for the devotees to be in this world and represent his Kripa Shakti agency. All this also is nicely explained by Vishwanath Chakravartakur in the beginning of his Madhurya Kadambini. Like, God... Actually, the mercy of Krishna is delivered to us here by the devotees. Because they, the devotees, are 
devotees, <laughs> but have not been devotees before, if you will. So they know, they, ha- they can have effective empathy for us. They, ha- they know what, what, what the condition so ha- is going through. So they can fully empathize with our plight, and therefore they can deliver that mercy in a really comprehensive way. Krishna doesn't have experience of that. So he, since he knows that, he has made that arrangement from beginningless time. <laughs> so he's not lacking, that's the point. He's not failing in something. If something, if he doesn't have the experience of something, he makes the arrangement for someone who had that experience may help us in a more comprehensive way even. But he himself does the, the most he can by having cognitive empathy and describing our condition in texts like the Gita and so on and making all these arrangements. But it's important to understand this idea. Bhagavan, what to speak, Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Braja Krishna. He only moves in the orbit of his Swarup Shakti. So when he comes to this world, he's only coming for his devotees, for his Nitasiddhas descending here with him, for his sadhakas who are advanced sadhakas struggling, attaining him. And that's why it's a. Um, but when what, what happens when he kills some demons? A demon is not a devotee, so Krishna is what? Entering in touch with something else than the Hisarup Shakti? The Charis No, no. That's the, when that happens, that's not Krishna killing the demon. That's his Vishnu portion. The Vishnu portion in him, the Paramatma in him, which somehow enters in some connection with Maya Shakti and the Tatasta Jivas. That, that, that portion is entering in touch with that situation. But Raja Krishna has nothing to do with killing demons and all that stuff. Even with establishing Dharma in the world. <laughs> That's not the function of Krishna. The function of Krishna is Lila. This, and again, as I know this is a, a complex idea. We have to... I mean, it's a very simple idea. <laughs> but reaching that there properly, that may take some time. Krishna is not in touch with Maya Shakti. Krishna is not in touch with Tatasta Shakti. Krishna is in touch with Tatasta Shakti as much as Tatasta Shakti is in touch with Swarup Shakti. And that's our case and hope. We are Tatasta Jivas, and the more we come under the shelter of the Bhakti Shakti, Swarup Shakti, Krishna will be aware of that, will, will be connected with that. He has nothing to do outside of that orbit. I don't know if that helps. Yes. <laughs> I had the, to follow up question, but one of them you already answered. Okay. You know, and the other will be if the Nitya Siddhas will have the same issue then, you know, as Krishna. Like, Last part, sorry, sorry. If the Nitya Siddhas then will be the same as Krishna in that sense, you know, that they have never experienced, so they can, can only have cognitive empathy. Mm-hmm. The devotees the, are Nitya Siddhas. Yeah, for sure. That's the same principle. So, like, would be like, you know, uh, because sometimes, you know, the devotees, like, they like to say, you know, only my guru is good if he's Nitya Siddha, but actually, uh. if his Sada Siddha can be also a good thing, then, you know, because. Yeah, that's why we entered this, this other topic, no? Guru Nitya Siddha, Sadhana Siddha, and, and sometimes we hear that the guru is always Nitya Siddha. Shila Siddha said that. You should always see your guru as Nitya Siddha. But also, what's the meaning of that? Because, not every, I mean, if, if that's the case, literally, it means that only Nitya Siddhas can be gurus. So, 
whoever is a non-nitya-siddha. I mean, it's not that we are wanting to be gurus or something, but my point is that to begin with, generally nitya-siddhas, another term for nitya-siddha is nitya-parikar, eternal associate. So all eternal associates constitute Krishna's retinue. Or retinue? What's the accent? Retinue. The, the idea is, whenever, whatever Krishna descends, and Krishna is descending constantly <laughs> to one planet Earth in one universe, as Krishna, as Mahaprabhu, whenever, wherever he goes, all his retinue goes with him. You follow? So if and those that consti- that's constituted of Nitya Siddha, Nitya Siddha Korimane, Gauran Gira Sangimane. So the point is, if, if every guru on earth now is a Nitya Siddha. What are they doing here? And they are not like as a retinue with Bhagavan. As need to see this are always <laughs> to begin with. Mm-hmm. And second, uh, I mean, it, it is a fact that gurus can no necessarily not necessarily be need to see that because Sila Samras interestingly say, you should see your guru as need to see that. That's different of saying your guru is need to see that. And then he said, a Madhyam Bhakta can be a guru. So how how can you make those two things fit? I mean, if, if a guru is a Madhyam Bhakta, it means he's, he's not an Uttam Bhakta, therefore he's not Nitya Siddha. But he's saying, but you should see your guru as Nitya Siddha. So one should learn to harmonize the thing and not just cherry pick the, the statement that I like the most. Oh, he's Nitya Siddha, but he's also this. And see the detail. Basically? And see the detail, because see as is not the same as he is. Mm, mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the point is, the guru is repres- the, the individual guru calls us Vyasti, uh, the individual representative of the agency of Guru Tattva. He may be or she may be Madhyam Bhakta, let's say. But he or she is representing the Nitya Siddha agency, if you will. Guru Tattva as a Samasti, as a conglomerate, as a principle. It's need to see that eternally perfect. Krishna Himself is the beginning of all it. So they are representing this eternally perfect divine knowledge, even though the agent may be on certain platform. If the agent is really sincere and surrender, even if he or she is not in the highest platform, this need to see the agency will express through him or her. That's possible. I mean, a guru may be a Madhyam Bhakta, but if that Madhyam Bhakta is properly situated, Uttam principles, if you will, <laughs> well expressed through that person. Because he's a, a, a transparent medium, as Prabhupada will say, channeling, representing this agency. So in that sense, the Guru is always Nitya Siddha. In the case that he's transparently representing Nitya Siddha, Nitya Siddhas, Nitya Siddha agency. Do you follow the point? Yeah. But in, in, in personally, in case... Not necessarily is a Nitya Siddha. Most probably it's not a Nitya Siddha. Because of what I said, generally Nitya Siddhas are with Bhagavan in his Lila, joining him, accompanying him. <laughs> probably the Guru is not even a Siddha yet. He may be an advanced Sadaka. If he's a Madhyam Bhakta, he's not a Siddha, strictly speaking, technically speaking. Siddha means perfected being. Sadaka means practitioner. And Sadaka, of course, you can be there are levels of being a sadaka. Till a sakti, you are a sadaka almost. Then you are started to be termed with an. I, I, sorry, so many new terms, but what to do? 
Now, after a sakti comes bhava, generally you are called a bhavuka. And then comes prema, you, you are called a premika. Or prema bhakta or bhava bhakta. So sadhaka generally has to do with sadhana. You can see the connection of terms. Sadhana bhakti goes from sraddha to a sakti. So then you are sadhaka. Bhava bhakti comes there, you are a bhavuka or a bhava bhakta. Prem comes there, you are a premika or a prem bhakta. So if a guru is a madhyam bhakta, it means he or she may, may be nishta, ruchi, still a sadhaka. So it's not a siddha. Siddha means perfected being. But again, it, should be a, it shouldn't be a problem. For some it is a problem even if it's a sadhana siddha. <laughs> what if I told you he's a sadhaka? Advanced one, sincere one, so there shouldn't be a problem. But for some, actually the main struggle, I will say, the, the, the unconscious uh, prejudice in the background is, I want my guru to be the best, because I'm, I will be the best in that case. That, that's the real unconscious thing. I want the highest guru. Why? Are you ready for de- to dealing with such a thing? I mean, which capacity do you have of dealing with such a thing? It may be too much. I was the topmost Paramahamsa Mahabhagavad present on earth. Sometimes the Buddha have this type of discourse. You should only take initiation from the highest, topmost available Vaishnava on earth, from nobody else. And of course, the, the, <laughs> the in-between implication is, and my guru is that person, so therefore you have to go with him. So that's just the conclusion of that and say it doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. He may be a great the top most Mahababa. Doesn't mean that again everyone should go with him. It's the same idea that I say before. Over glorification, disservice to Guru Tattva. So so no problem if the Guru is a sadhana siddha. Once my Guru Mahas say that sometimes people are concerned <laughs> Gurus need to see their son and see them, but actually most gurus are not even see that. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or when he was speaking with, not, not criticizing, but just being objective and realistic. And when he said, when he went with Sila Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, <laughs> and he said, uh, some people say that, <laughs> that, that my Guru Maharaj Sila Prabhupada, because some present the idea that he is in Sakyarasa, they consider that that's a problem, basically, because he is not in Madhuri Rasa, which is considered the highest possible attainment, objectively speaking. So they feel, oh no, if Prabhupada will be in Sakya, that, that will be problematic. No? And not in this Rasa and that Rasa. No? And, and Guru Maharaj in that context added, most Gurus are, 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 are not in any Rasa yet. <laughs> so, so what to speak of being in one Rasa? I mean, that's already glorious. And of course, Silapuri Maharaj confirmed that saying, I mean, if you think that if your guru is in Sakya Rasa, if you think, if that, if you think that's a problem, then, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> For you, you, are, you have a problem. <laughs> you think, oh, my guru is in this, I mean, most gurus are, may not be in any Rasa, may not be Siddhas yet, again. Maybe Madhya Bhaktas. Unfortunately, even in the past, some gurus were not even Madhya Bhaktas. And eventually, of course, in time, that's been shown because you cannot accept such such service mini, to, without minimum situated as a Madhim Bhakta. Because you will, I mean, to be a Madhim Bhakta means to be properly situated in, in the third verse of Sikshastaka, as we spoke the other day, which implies considerable humility, 
tolerance, sobriety. And if you are a guru and are receiving so much worship and adoration and respect and the center of the... I mean, if you don't have that proper level of sobriety and humility, you won't be able to sustain that situation for too long. So, so yeah, as Prabhupada said to conclude, no? Sadhana Siddha, Nitya Siddha, important word is Siddha. <laughs> and even in some cases, that word may not be even there yet in the equation. <laughs> and that shouldn't be a problem. Okay, in each case, it's, it's, it's individual, but, but that's how it works. Also. I have a question here from Ganga Shakti. Uh, and technical and aesthetic question. <laughs> Was it typical for young children to wear kajal back then? And if yes, why? You mentioned kajal in relation to the Dhamadar Lila. So what's kajal to begin with, right? <laughs> kajal is like eyeliner, you say in English? Eyeliner? But a particular type of eyeliner that is worn in India, that even from babies are wearing it. And not only women, but it's normal to see both men and women, adults, but starting from childhood. But this is like a very, I mean, originally back now, I don't know nowadays, which is the materials they are made of. I mean, for sure you may have the more natural version of it, but generally for sure you can buy the more Kali Yuga version in the market with who knows which chemicals. But originally this is like an, how do say Unguent. It is from ashes they burn with different herbs yeah. and mix it with ghee. Okay, so that, those are the components, as Bhakti Shakti said, if you didn't hear, ashes mixed with different herbs and ghee, which the point is a whole, like, med medicinal, mm -hmm. like very healthy for one side. Of course, it's aesthetically beautiful as well, but it has a, like, a medicinal purpose in, in it. So, yeah, the question is, was it typical for young children to wear kajal back then? Yes. And then why? We have to say that now. Because of some... Of course, we can take more like interpretative meanings. And I don't know, you can say Shirada's kajal is black because it's Krishna and she only has Krishna in her eyes and go to all these type of brassic interpretations. But to be more pragmatic <laughs> and in the dynamics of the lila, which also the lila are full of uh, all these ingredients like... Oh, I, I will put kajal on my baby, on my baby Krishna, just so the whole thing. So he will have good side when he's an adult and, and, and take care. And he looks so beautiful. So with all these Vatsalya considerations in mind, it's like... And also protects from subtle entities to enter. Mm. Yeah, I imagine there was some... And the lily is full of superstition as well. No? That's interesting, no? There's a lot of superstition elements in the dynamics of the lila. <laughs> So I'm not saying that's necessarily one of those, but you have those ingredients. So as part of this whole cultural setting in which the lila is presented, kajal is one of those ingredients that make for the whole, yeah, braja culture, basically. And you go to Brindavan nowadays, and most of the brajavasi were kajal. Not only the boys, and not only the, the, the babies, but the adults and, and so on, they were with kajal, and ladies as well. So. Yes, great question. Um, could, could, could you say that, does Krishna forget his omniscience then in Brahmshalila? Mm -hmm. Does he forget himself then in order, when, he, when you say he, 
he's Dudley. He's Yashoda's son. Mm-hmm. Is he? Is he? Is he forgetting that he's? Oh. Yeah, he's forgetting. Interesting. I mean, he's he doesn't lose the quality. Yeah. <laughs> I want, of course, I, I I know it's not easy to conceive because whenever we speak about the things, we cannot avoid thinking about that in terms of our own experience. But the point is that we are not God. So it's, it, we don't have the same <laughs> capacities to deal with awareness and for, or forgetfulness and omniscience, what to speak. But yeah, what it is described is Krishna is uh, forgetful of his omniscience hmm? because he's fully absorbed hmm, in play, in the Lila. In, in the words of my Guru Maharaj, he, he presents it very nicely. I really appreciate that point he made. <laughs> Which is really also like user friendly for us to grasp this complex reality. He said, "What do you do when you are boring? Bored? bored sorry, and when you are boring also. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when you are bored?" He said, "You you play." Well, he said, "You play." No. So similarly, Krishna, God, he's God. Right? He's God. So being God implies all this boring stuff. Like all this omnis. Omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotency. Which we may think, oh, that will be so nice to have. <laughs> I would like to be omniscient and to know what, whatever every person is thinking at this moment. I mean, think for five seconds. Are you sure you want that? <laughs> Maybe you have enough with what you are thinking at the moment. <laughs> Imagine I'm knowing what is in everyone's mind simultaneously. No? So the point is that also it's boring because there's nothing to know because you already know everything. And if you are omnipresent, it means there's nowhere to go because you are already there. Try to imagine. You follow my point. So it's kind of boring. You follow. Nothing to do, nothing to know, nowhere to go. So, what do you do when you are boring? Bored? <laughs> you play. So, similarly, God gets bored <laughs> of being God. <laughs> of all that implies being God. He's putting in this charming way. He's omniscient. Omnip- so, he starts to play. That's what we call Lila, divine playing. Bhagavan is only playing. And he, my Guru Mahesh will say, he, when he plays, he plays really hard. <laughs> He gets so absorbing the, into the play that he forgets everything else. And that place becomes his reality, basically. Even though we call it play, for us, that's the ultimate reality one we want to enter it. We, we, you may say, oh, he's in divine illusion, he's unaware of his God, all, whatever you like. But he remains there. Like when you were a child and you were playing and playing and playing, I mean, you forgot about everything else. Your mother has to come and say, come to take dinner. Are you like, what? No, 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 no. Thank you. <laughs> and for you, was, I, will, I could remain here for eternity. No. I do not care about any other thing, any other sense of identity, any other... I'm giving some parallel with our experience. It's not the same, but to give a, a glimpse of that. How much play has the potential of absorbing our whole and it becomes its own reality it's a reality of itself because at that point you can start with, with good reason to, to, to judge 
So what's reality, actually? What's real reality? Because some people say, oh, that's not reality. Get out of your play. Reality is outside of the play. Why? <laughs> I got to remember once I, on a different line, but similarly, I, I was speaking, I think, with my father. <laughs> and I was, and I say, I asked him, it may sound a little bit fanatic, but it was okay for him. <laughs> I, I asked, Dad, do you still read newspapers? <laughs> and he said, yes, every day, like most people. So I asked him, why? <laughs> and he told me, to keep up with reality, to, be, to remain aware of reality. And I said, oh, in my case, I say, <laughs> in order to remain aware of reality, I do, I do exactly the opposite. <laughs> no. So again, he laughed and we continued speaking, but the point is that What's reality? No? You can choose. Okay, reality is what the newspaper is telling me. Okay, if you want that reality, go with that one. I will go with that one. <laughs> no? And that was the point that Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta made when he was publishing his own newspaper, the Nadia Prakash. He was publishing a daily newspaper and someone came one day and asked him, a daily newspaper? <laughs> Every day? You will run off news at some point. Run off? Yes. Run, out, run, out. run out, sorry, run out of news at some point. So what, how, what will you will do? And, and he chuckled and said, are you, are, you, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, he was in Kolkata. We, we have in Kolkata the main city at that time in India. Like, I don't know, in, in, in the city there are 10 main newspapers. And these newspapers are published on a daily basis, the, year after year. But they are just sharing the news of what's the result, what's, what's the Jiva is doing while being sleeping under illusion. And so many news are coming from that. Jeeva under illusion. Jeeva under illusion is doing this. And President did that. And this happened in this. All the news of the world means Jeeva under the spell of Maya. And so many things they're saying every single day. And I, my newspaper, I'm publishing what the, the, the soul is doing, being enlightened. And you're asking me, I will run out of news. <laughs> I mean, if, if, it, if, if, if I will have the chance, he said, I will publish a newspaper at every second. And I will never be bereft of material. The only problem, I don't have enough customers yet. Not enough interest in the audience. <laughs> the potential is there. We can publish a newspaper every single second. So much there is to say. <laughs> so, again, what's reality? No? So, going back to your question, that, that's reality for us. No? Krishna is absorbed in play. Leela. That's the, real, the ultimate reality. And, and, and he still remains being God on some other platform outside. Like again, the example is, I don't know, the president of one country. This is the classical example given by our Acharyas. And, and he's in the government house. And he's the president. Everyone acts accordingly. Good morning, Mr. President. All the formality for the picture. Seeing, okay. Distance, Aishwarya. Nobody will go and jump on him and give some embrace. How are you doing, Paul? And whatever. Uh, but when he goes home, when he goes home, he's no longer president there. I mean, he remains, he's the president, officially. But the grandson is waiting for the president at home and will jump on his back. And he's not jumping on the back of the president, he's jumping on the back of his grandfather. I say, Grandpa, go to the floor and I want you to be a snake now. <laughs> And he's trying his best. No? <laughs> try, to, try to move like a snake being a human. 
<laughs> he's trying to move with his hands, and the grandson says, no, no, with the hands, like a snake. <laughs> and he starts to chastise him, abuse him, and he's riding on his back, on the back of the president of the United States, who can press one button and make a whole country disappear. <laughs> so the point is, is he the president or not? Yes, but outside, not there. You follow. Officially, he's the president, but at that moment, he's totally, he's, he himself is totally forgotten he's the president. He's not aware. Not only the grandson is not aware, but he himself is totally forgotten in, in play, in the, in the informality of, of home, if you will. So that's the, the God we worship. No? Krishna is God at home, basically. Vrindavan is the, full, the God of informality. No? He's barefoot. I mean, <laughs> he's not wearing shoes, tie, and suit, and all this. He's barefoot. You won't walk barefoot anywhere, just at home. Basically. So that's why we are barefoot here. Not only because the temple is sacred. You shouldn't enter with your shoes, but we should be at home here. We should treat ourselves at home. We should open our hearts with full confidence at home. That's This place is to represent Brindavan, an embassy of that. So I hope that helps. I know it's not an easy topic to digest. We have to ruminate for some decades, more maybe. <laughs> but that's worthy of ruminating so for eternity. So no problem. We have <laughs> some stuff to ponder up. And so. Okay, so I think we already have discussed some topics for today and there are some other activities during the day so we can stop here thank you so much for your time Srila Gurudev Ki Jai Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Sri Giriraj Maharaj Ki Jai Jagannath Baladev Subhadri Ki Jai Sri Adinam Sankirtan Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Vrind Ki Jai Gaur Pramanam Ki Jai